0: it's time for another episode of corner of the galaxy from the box the show that gets you behind the scenes of the la galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and mls experts your hosts for the day are corner of the galaxy's josh Gesman and la times soccer reporter kevin baxter let's start the show Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy
1: from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Coming to you on February 19th, 2018, just 13 days before the L.A. Galaxy will take on the Portland Timbers in the first game of the 2018 season. Uh, Let's see. Did I already say my name? I'm Josh Gessman. Joining me as always is Mr. Kevin Baxter from the L.A. Times. We have a bunch of stuff to get to you. Uh, A busy week for the L.A. Galaxy, a busy week for here for us here at the podcast uh the LA Galaxy losing 4 to 2 to the San Jose Earthquakes as well some games coming up uh getting really ready to wrap up this 2018 preseason but let's check in with Mr. Kevin Baxter and see how he's doing Mr. Baxter how are you uh hanging in there buddy
2: I'm doing okay so what does the countdown clock show behind you Thir- are It's we sa- down to it minutes says, and seconds now It
1: says 13 days blah 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 hours I don't know I just have the days right now so 13 days oh. that's what you get that's it
2: well, that's close.
1: Okay, thank less you. Th- less, less than two weeks. <laughs> less than two weeks away from uh, the LA Galaxy hosting the Portland Timbers. Uh, a busy weekend, Mr. Kevin Baxter, if I say so myself. How would you recover from it?
2: Uh, well, the shots, that the shot the birthday shots of whiskey we had to take, that was a little tough. But the open house was tremendous. It was great to meet all those people. Uh, you know, you, you sit here and you're talking to a microphone in your office alone, looking at your picture here on, on the web. And uh, you don't realize that people out there are really listening to us.
1: Yeah, it, That's it, really cool. It happens on occasion that you can gather enough of a, a group of people that you're almost like, oh, yep, there are people who listen. And then they, they give you quotes of things that you said on the show. Some of the things I've, I I don't remember saying at all, but that sounded smart and entertaining at some point. So I'm glad for that. If Kevin, it, I, I think you if found some somewhere-
2: – If it sounded smart, you probably didn't say it. it, it, it was- but, oh, and by the way, a lot of people told me that they listen in the car. So hey, everybody – Watch out. Your exit's coming up. Slow down. <laughs> That's Slow right. down.
1: I was going to say the, the real highlight for me was finding somebody, Kevin, at least you claim, that actually likes your jokes.
2: Yeah, that was amazing, too.
1: <laughs> so uh, so I, if anybody who says that they like Kevin's jokes just gives him a bigger head. And that means that for most of the episode, he'll be planning in his mind all the wonderful uh, they're even worse than dad jokes in a lot of ways. Uh, they're Baxter oh, they're jokes. terrible. But, yeah.
2: but the people that told me that were like intelligent, you know, they were uh, they were able to feed themselves and drink out of a can. <laughs> and and, uh, you know, it was amazing. They were um, I kind of expected that someone that tell me they liked their jokes wouldn't be in control of all their faculties. But these seem like pretty sharp people.
1: They did. Well, let me give you some stats on a little bit of the open house here. Uh, thank you to our listeners who came and enjoyed, uh, who took part in the uh, extra stuff sale and the L.A. Galaxy raffle for the uh, for the jersey that benefited the Galaxy Foundation. We here at Corner of the Galaxy and you, the listeners, were able to raise five hundred and fifty dollars for the Galaxy Foundation. Uh, I will make the official. P- yeah, I was going to say round of applause to the listeners because I didn't do any of that. Um we, we we will make the official payment to uh to the uh, Galaxy Foundation sometime around the end of the week once I get all the cash deposited and all those funds. Thanks. Uh, we now. We- Yes. So that,
2: that that goes to the charity, right? So it's yes. not going to help make up for the season ticket sales that they lost?
1: No, no, no. Correct? Okay. Yeah, that's all correct. Right. That's just correct. checking. Yeah, it just goes to uh, helping them with their charity, uh, different charity uh, projects that they have. So Zlatan, you're on your own. That's right. That five fifty does not go to Zlatan. Uh, we, I, I think we estimated, Kevin, your estimate is high, but I, I think if we count all the people who came and went, I, I think we're about 70 people stopped by uh, over the three hours that we're open from 9 a.m. to about 12 p.m., uh, Uh, We have a bunch of people to thank. Uh, A huge amount, actually. Uh, The LA Galaxy, first and foremost, as an organization, we have to give them... Uh, a tip of the hat and a round of applause because uh, they had several... Yeah, I was going to say another round of applause for everybody. Um, They had several people who showed up and and really made an impact on the event. Uh, LA Galaxy President Chris Klein stopped by uh, and talked to all the people here and and I think had a wonderful conversation with a bunch of people. And and I can't stress enough, I know that we're tough on him, Kevin, and we're tough on the Galaxy organization as a whole, but for him to show up, uh, talk to people, have a good time, uh, enjoy himself, and and impart some information... uh, from his perspective and his his way of seeing things was was huge, and you know I, I think people think that we take things personally with some of these guys, and and we really don't. Um, I like almost everybody at the LA Galaxy organization, including Chris Klein. Um, I really do like him as a person. That's great. Now whether or not that means that we will uh, we will like stop criticizing, we won't. Um, because I think that's part of our job is sort of a check and balance uh, system. But Chris was a a stand-up guy to come down and talk to us. Uh, Brendan Hannon uh, also stopped by from uh, LA Galaxy uh, Digital PR Marketing. He has like three different titles that he's the vice president of, uh, and he stopped by to say hi as well. And then uh, I have to tip the hat to Mr. Chris Thomas as well, who was able to help us set up the LA Galaxy Star Squad, who came by two amazing, excellent people from the LA Galaxy Star Squad were helping us out. And then Cosmo, uh, our good friend Cosmo stopped by and had a great time with everybody who was here as well. So the LA Galaxy as a whole really did put a great effort into helping us with our open house. And for that, we are very, very grateful. And we hope the $550 goes to help the Galaxy Foundation and, and, and you know, can do a little bit of good uh, for that. So that's a uh, so,
2: – yeah. So Brendan is a vice president? I didn't realize that was part of his title.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure. You want me? I'll, so how, I'll look it up the, again.
2: Well, no, I'm just wondering yeah. if the vice president and then Chris Klein, the president, was there. I thought the vice president and president couldn't be, like, in the same place at the same time.
1: That's right. Like maybe, the,
2: maybe Brendan had already left by then.
1: Maybe that's they had to switch off, right? You didn't want them all in the same. You're right. That's how it worked. Oh,
2: by the way, yes. did you also notice that Cosmo and Klein were not there at the same time? I'm mm. just saying. I'm
1: just saying. Have you ever seen them together? Interesting. Very interesting take there, in, uh, Mr. Remember, Bastard.
2: Cosmo walked away, yes. and we saw him go away, yeah. we, and never saw him get in the car. And then the next thing, you know, Klein... Drove into the parking lot. Yeah, and so. those
1: and the heights of those two are almost exact. Oh wait, that might that might blow up your your whole theory there.
2: Well, no, I think client kind of scrunches
1: down. That's whenever bit. he's in the cosmo suit. Okay, that's yeah, that's good good yeah. call. Uh, additional people to thank as well. Uh, the Rothmans who provided the uh, the beverages for the open house. And, and thank you to uh, Davis and Linda and Mark uh, and then the whole family. You're all amazing and I love you all. Thank you. Uh, Steve Carrillo, who's down here taking pictures. And if you go to galaxy.com, you can do it. It sounds like a bird trying to escape a cage over there, to be honest with you. Uh, it's just clapping. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Uh, Steve Carrillo, obviously, who took the pictures. And go to cornerofthegalaxy.com. And you can see those pictures. Uh, Mr. Jared Dubois, uh, Miss Wendy Thomas, and Mr. Kevin Baxter, that's you, Kevin, uh, for stopping by and saying hi to everybody as well. There goes that bird again. Um, So that is all really fun stuff. I'd also like to thank uh, my wife, Michaela, and my mom uh, Rose for, for helping out as well because there was a rush on the uh, at the merchandise table there towards the end when we were trying to get all the things and and those two did an amazing job helping uh, especially my wife uh, has to put up with me and help plan events like that so she she's the real winner the real MVP of all this stuff so uh, thank you to that but again uh, an amazing event Kevin I had so much fun talking to people uh, you know I said I would never do it again uh, because it was very stressful for me but I had a great time I think I'd happily do it again
2: no, you got to get me and 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 my long-suffering wife out there to help you set up. That was the problem. I think you took too much on, um, on yourself. But it, it was funny. Your mom Rose introduced herself to everyone as the the mother. Yeah, she's like it doesn't have a name. She just no. goes, I'm the mother. Yep, and, that's right. Everyone kind of figured out who it was.
1: That's all right. That's right. That's how it was. Um, okay, some other updates that also came about as of this corner of the galaxy open house, uh, corner of the galaxy studio, Cog Studios right here is now the Happy Home of the very authentic, very real Anthony Precourt Memorial Wooden Spoon Trophy. This is the actual wooden spoon trophy that goes to the team who finishes last in the league. So uh, if I look at it as it's staring at me and we're recording, it's a wooden trophy made out of looks like maybe some 2 by 6s and a 2 by 4 that's roughly stained and nailed together. Uh, there's a wooden spoon that's been nailed through with uh, two small nails, one of which has pierced the the uh, handle of the wooden spoon and split it just a little bit. And that's how you know it's authentic. Uh, that it's the real wooden spoon because of the break. Uh, and it shows uh, the the two other teams that are listed on it. Because it's a rather new trophy, although somebody said we should go back and, and put some old names on it uh, as it goes, retroactively apply them. But Chicago Fire in 2015 and 2016 and the LA Galaxy in 2017. So this Actual Wooden Spoon Trophy now resides here at Corner of the Galaxy Studios. I said it would be a safe spot to keep it. It is here. Uh, I will hold on to it until somebody needs it for something else. But this is a trophy that's controlled by the supporters. Um, And so we're happy to hold it here for everybody. And as a reminder, I think I'll be putting up a very special page on my website to to acknowledge the fact that it is now residing here at Corner of the Galaxy Studios until, I I think, Galaxy fans have their fingers crossed. uh, Some other team finishes last, Kevin.
2: Aren't you worried about you? Your your address is out there now, and you've just told everyone this monumental trophy is in there. Aren't you worried about someone breaking into?
1: Yeah. Trying to steal it? Yeah, I think everybody's really wants that wooden spoon trophy, Kevin. I think that's why it came here so quickly. Everybody's like, "Where am I going to put this thing? Who can? I-? You know what? Josh said he'd take it. Let's let's let Josh have it. I think that's how it worked. Yeah,
2: I think it only goes back three years. Has any? No one has won it uh, twice. And. Since it was started, correct? Well, it
1: was Chicago. Okay. Chicago has won it the first two years, and then the Galaxy. Oh, they did. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, right. the so the Galaxy, the Galaxy,
2: that Galaxy have something to shoot for. Then <laughs> become the only, only the second repeat winner of the Golden Spoon.
1: One of my favorite, very my, one of my very favorite listeners to the show, Mister Freddie Ramos, who complains about almost everything I say, said at least the only funny thing I think he's ever said. Uh, Freddie said, hey, even when we suck, we win trophies, as he was referring to the LA Galaxy. Hey, that's, that's good. I <laughs> that's, like that. That's not too bad. So I do, hey, every once in a while, he's good for a nugget. Most of the time, you just ignore him, though.
2: Uh, you know, but but that's a good point. I mean, if you're going to be la, <laughs> you know, if you're going to have a terrible year, why not be the worst? Second to worst is kind of eh. But, you know, if you're going to go for it, go for it. Yeah. And. and Go all the way to the bottom. Don't stop halfway.
1: Yeah, there were there were two ACB gentlemen, by the way, who delivered the trophy, who I didn't get their names because they were in here, and there was a whole bunch of people around, but I was happy to have it. So, yes, uh, some people did get a picture with the actual wooden spoon. Uh, if you want to visit it, just make an appointment with me. I'll let you come in and, uh, and take a picture with it as well. And It'll remind you of how, uh, how horribly things can go and how quickly that happens. Um, yeah, if
2: you, if you, if you want to see the wooden spoon, head over to Josh's mm-hmm. place. Make sure you take a left at the fork in the road to get to the spoon.
1: <laughs> there you go. Oh no! See, this is what that I'm talking was about. Really
2: bad. That was <laughs> terrible.
1: This is what I'm talking about. You now have this re- like rejuvenated energy about you that you're like, oh, my jokes are funny, and this—it's it, just they're not they're not. That, w- so. that one was horrible. Oh, I'm glad you acknowledge that. Uh, again, uh, you know, one of the big things that we had here at the Corner of the Galaxy Open House was the fact that we had our first scarves go out. And you guys did an amazing job who came out here. We sold about 22 scarves in our very first open, opening here. And I saw those around the stadium. In fact, uh, a member of the LA Galaxy's uh, front office came up to me, looked over the, uh, the stadium there at the Orange County Great Park and said, you know, I'm seeing a lot of Corner of the Galaxy shirts and scarves all of a sudden. I said, you know, things are getting out there so I appreciate you guys wearing your shirts uh, and now you have your scarves as well and those scarves will go up on the website later this week. I just have to work out the uh, the shipping and all that fun stuff and, um, you know, maybe we'll do a day or two where I'll bring some scarves and I can, I can hit them out of the back of the car before I go into the stadium type of thing but uh, it's more difficult to give, to like try to do that with scarves because they actually take up a tremendous amount of room than it is like stickers and other things that I've done. So uh, we'll, we'll figure some stuff out, but they will go up on the website for sale, $25 plus tax and shipping whenever it all goes out uh, coming up here uh, towards the end of the week. So pay attention to that. I will also remind you right now as we're talking about merchandise, you have exactly, if you're listening to this on February 19th, you have the 20th and the 21st to order your 2018 COG logo shirts. That's it. They're, they're done. So Kevin, if you haven't ordered your, C- your 2018 COG logo shirt, get on it you're going to miss out and then you can't have the nice pink one like i'm going to have so you getting the pink one i got the pink one and a navy blue one i thought those were the best colors to be honest i
2: did i did order emma gonzalez t-shirt today she's my new hero
1: okay okay good good i'm glad i'm glad we figured that stuff out all right uh google, google, google her if you don't know the name let's see let's go on to uh, let me uh do one more thing uh just uh, you know on top of everything else I, again thank you to everyone who showed up uh kevin and i now think we have a reason for continuing to do the show because uh you guys came up and said that you listen and so uh you mean the world to us so thank you very very much all right kevin anything else you want to say about the open house you good
2: I, that was kind of a slap there I, I i don't do this for the love of the podcast i do it for the big paycheck big
1: <laughs> yes exactly i told people people ask me you know why i did this uh, and I said, well, there's two reasons. Is uh, one, I do it for all the listeners who listen. I want to make sure you're the most educated LA Galaxy fans out there, and I want to make sure that you know we're putting out a quality content for you so that way you can listen. And the second reason is I would do this even if you didn't listen. I would do this even if it wasn't recorded, which means I'd talk to myself for hours on end about the LA Galaxy, which is kind of scary. All right,
2: and also because you're kind of insane.
1: A little bit. Just a little yeah. bit. Alright, let's go move on to the LA Galaxy. After the open house, we made the uh, 12-minute drive from COG Studios over to uh, the Orange County Great Park, where the LA Galaxy were hosting the San Jose Earthquakes and another preseason Cali Classico. First of all, uh, overall impressions for me, Kevin, over 5,000 people at the very small stadium that ended up being, what a gorgeous place to watch a soccer game. Uh, you know, the press box maybe was a little uh, little cramped for us at some times, but if you look at what the, the fans got to see, and And really just the atmosphere that was created around that small, intimate setting. I mean, how is that not a huge win for the L.A. Galaxy? And how do they not plan on doing that every preseason now?
2: No, that's got to be an annual thing. I mean, it'd be great to even take a regular season game out there, but obviously you can't do that. It was a great atmosphere. It really reminded me, as I kept telling everyone to to, uh, to the point of boredom for them, it really reminded me of a baseball spring training game, a nice little intimate setting, beautiful day, nice and sunny. The berm, I t- actually took a walk around at halftime. I walked all around the stadium, and it was amazing, and everybody seemed to be having a great time. And that berm, I love the berm behind the goal, uh, I think it was on the north side. Um, it makes me realize how much we lost when they put the charger stands up there and we took the the berm out of StubHub Center. I yeah. mean, that, that was a great – I, I kind of hung out there for a little bit. Great sightline, you know, great for a family. Kids can run around. It was amazing. The atmosphere and everything was great. And, um, yeah, it's a beautiful setting and, and the Galaxy need to do this. Every spring, well, or well, winter, I guess, well, every winter um, in the preseason. It was just great.
1: Well, think about the juxtaposition here. You have a team like LAFC who's coming in saying, we're Los Angeles, the downtown Los Angeles, you LA Galaxy, you're not the real Los Angeles, we're the real Los Angeles, we're right here. And you have the LA Galaxy doing something that maybe they probably, well actually not maybe, that they should have been doing from the very beginning, which is embracing the fact that anybody who lives in Southern California that is in, you know, one of the suburbs or outlying areas of Los Angeles, kind of considers themselves part of LA. Even Orange County people who go, I'm from Orange County and not from Los Angeles, still whenever they're out and away will tell somebody we're from south of Los Angeles, basically, to give people an idea where it is. So if you go and you take a team like the LA Galaxy, you take them down to Orange County at the Great Park, you fill that stadium up with 5,000 people... It didn't feel like that was an away game or that the Galaxy were outside of any sort of comfort zone, at least in in my mind, Kevin. It was still very much a home game. You had a bunch of people travel. There were people who normally travel from Orange County anyway to see the Galaxy get to have, you know, the 8-minute commute or the 10-minute commute to go see their team play. To me... That is a better inclusive brand, as I think they're trying to do here in in 2018, than just saying you're not the real LA, we're the real LA. When you look at all the professional sports teams, that most of them don't really play in, you know, quote unquote Los Angeles, the city. There's Inglewood, and there's um, you know, there's there's other places around that. We, there's so many cities that are are technically Los Angeles that just. Being outside of that or or being outside of some designated markdown city thing doesn't make a whole bunch of sense to me. So for me, going to Orange County, seeing the Galaxy go down there, seeing it still be a home game, bringing the San Jose Earthquakes and making it a Cali Classico, even a preseason one, means, uh, in, at least in my mind, the marketing s- seems to have expanded a little bit or or at least has become a little more inclusive of the whole SoCal area. Does that make any well, sense? Do you think I'm crazy? Yeah,
2: yeah, no, but here, here's what I think is going to happen um, because we've seen it in other sports. There's two baseball franchises in Southern California. There's one in Orange County. There's one in L.A. Two hockey franchises. One in Orange County. One in L.A. The basketball the teams both play at the same arena. Um, there's essentially two. There's two football teams, and and the Chargers, for uh, you know uh, better or worse, are sort of Orange County, North San Diego County team. Uh, that's where a lot of their fans come from. That's where their support is. And I think you're going to see that in in soccer. I mean, for a long time, it seemed to me that the Galaxy, and this is probably incorrect if you actually looked at where their fans come from, they've always been considered sort of the white, suburban, Orange County team. And and again, I I know that that's not what the demographics are going to show if we break that down. But that's the way they've kind of been perceived. Now you have LAFC come in. They're north of StubHub Center. They're trying to be the gritty kind of inner city team. And and that doesn't work either because they're charging a lot for their tickets and they have a Hollywood ownership group. So um, that's not really who they are. That's the image they're trying to convey. But but where I'm going with this is I think this is smart for the Galaxy because I think in the future their fans are going to come from Orange County. Why? Because from Orange County, they're going to drive north to StubHub Center. And that's the first soccer stadium they're going to come upon. The other fans, if they're coming from the San Fernando Valley or where I live out in Santa Clarita, when we drive south, the first stadium we get to is LAFC. So right. I think a lot of those fans, if they're soccer fans and not mes- necessarily maybe dyed-in-the-wool galaxy fans, they're going to move over to LAFC, and that's going to leave – the Galaxy, I think, going south into Orange County get their fans. So, the idea of going down there and trying to claim that land and trying to brand it and trying to show fans uh, the Galaxy, I think that's great. I yeah. think that was a smart idea.
1: Yeah, you know, that's one of the things I always argue about, or at least I, I try to inform people of whenever they say, oh, you know, it's so much closer to uh, to LAFC's new stadium. Well, it may be closer for you, but it's further away for other people. So, if the Galaxy were actually to move to downtown, there would be a bunch of people and I I would say a fairly considerable amount that are coming from Orange County or south of the stadium where it would be further away. Um, so it's it's a give and take whenever you say that LAFC's stadium is more convenient, it's more convenient to probably 50% of the population, and like you said north of downtown is probably where that that settles in if you go south of downtown, it's further away for people, so you, you can sort of go back and forth on that to see, you know, are they really that much at an advantage for population wise, and I'd have to go look at the demographics to see, you know, if the, if the valley and, and anything that's really north of there has a larger population than things that are south of there, and I think it would probably end up being rather the same i don't know that it's going to be a ton different um well
2: and, yeah. and i th- and i do think if they do that i mean the angels made a push a couple years ago when they rebranded their team as los angeles angels of Anaheim. Stupid. they made a push into yes. into la proper and didn't really do very well uh, they're still considered an orange county team and that's where the bulk of their fans come come from so uh, you know, and if you look at the Ducks and the Kings, they both sell out just about every game. The Angels and Dodgers among the best in baseball in attendance. They're, uh, you know, the the Chargers a little. You got to give them a little bit of a break. Very small stadium, first year, they really didn't catch on. The Rams are doing well now. Um, my point is, there's enough fans to support two teams in the sport. This is the the second largest metro area in in the U.S. Uh, and the weather's always great There aren't excuses like there may be in other parts of the country um, there's enough fans to go around the, the galaxy just has to find out where those fans are and and they're struggling with that right now it's, as w- we'll talk about season ticket sales later but they're struggling with that right now once they do sort of figure out where that is and where they can go market and where they can find some fresh uh you know uh, fresh fan base i think they're going to find it is in, in orange county and so again you know it makes it all the more important that they try to schedule this game at great park every year
1: yeah, it was a lot of fun. Anyway, let's get to the actual game itself. The LA Galaxy lose 4-2 to to the San Jose Earthquakes. This game was 1-1 to at halftime. The Galaxy actually scored the first goal. If you're looking for highlights, both of those goals were scored by Mr. Ola Kamara, who now has, is that three goals in the preseason now, Kevin, if I'm uh, counting correctly? I believe Dad that's
2: is, right. That's three. He passes uh, Arce Hilliard as the leading scorer. That's
1: right, yeah. Tomo- Tomas hilliard Arce. You you flipped it you flipped sorry about that it. Yeah, no it's okay don't worry about it uh it was had two goals and uh, and scored again in Santa Barbara whenever you look at the uh the preseason game that went along with that the guy ga- by the way the Galaxy ended up winning that game I know we were recording the Thursday night show before that game had officially concluded um but the Galaxy did end up winning that game I think three to one so um when now you look at this game where the Galaxy lose four to two to the San Jose Earthquakes Ola Kamar gets two goals that's great um, always nice to see. Uh, somewhere in between there, San Jose, I think, scored three unanswered goals. Uh, it, was, it was not great. But he- here's the thing, and here's sort of the takeaways, Kevin, uh, that I got from it. We can discuss these, especially if you disagree with me. Uh, from In my mind, uh, the defense let the Galaxy down. Uh, David Bingham struggled a little bit uh, in goalkeeper Um, and then whenever you go back and actually watch the highlights three of the four goals that San Jose scored were deflections so do you really feel that bad about the result maybe it was just an unlucky sort of play in that whole thing so I mean those are my big takeaways from the 4-2 loss is that if you're the Galaxy or a Galaxy fan right now you need to be a little more concerned with the defense than perhaps the offseason had led you to believe
2: yeah, I think I thought, you know, I don't know what you what you saw, but it looked to me and, and having talked to Bingham earlier this this winter, he was totally amped up. I mean, this was a big game for him going against San Jose, who we really thought kind of shoved him out of town. And he's he's talked in, in the winter about wanting to sort of play well against them. And I, I think he was really fired up. And the first goal, you know, the first goal was a good goal. The, set, the first goal that was a deflection, um, he he seemed very upset. Um, And then, you know, understandably because he thought he had made a good play and and then all of a sudden San Jose has a goal. Then there's another goal a minute later. So there were two goals in the span of a minute. Um, And and as you said, you know, the last goal deflected in off Ashley Cole, the captain. Uh, I think Bingham... Needs to have a. Um, he's developing it, but I think maybe the chemistry with his teammates needs to get a little bit better. He needs to know when defenders are going to be there to to clear a ball when he deflects it, or when he maybe maybe should just grab a hold of it. You know, a lot of keepers, and I don't understand why they do this. A lot of keepers will just punch a ball away or push it away, uh, and a lot of times those those rebounds go right to an offensive player, and it turns into a goal because now the goalkeeper is on the ground. Um, you know, maybe they should catch those balls a little bit more and get a goal kick out of it. But that seemed to be where the problem was for me is that, uh, Bingham was punching the ball away and there was no defender there to clear it. The back line really struggled getting back. Uh, and then the one time they do get back it, it, you know Bingham bounces it off Ashley Cole and it goes in. So there needs to be a little bit more chemistry there. Um, it's still a work in progress. Um, and, and the de- Frankly, the defense got beat back a lot, and I think that's why Bingham wound up with a lot of situations where it was him and a bunch of San Jose players in front of the goal and no Galaxy defenders around.
1: Well, uh, uh, some other big news sort of from this game is that there were several players who went 90 minutes for the very first time in the preseason. Uh, goalkeeper, David Bingham, Daniel Stares, Jorgen, Shielvik, Ashley Cole, Roman, Alessandrini Drini, and Ola Kamara all went 90 minutes. And, and if this is a preseason game, which it is, uh, if you throw the score out, which you can do, because it's a preseason game, Kevin, you look at all these things. And the most important part was that those guys got 90 minutes on the day and have really started working towards full match fitness. And Siggy Schmitz was talking after the game, Kevin, to you and I, uh, and any of the uh, other gathered press who was there, and he was talking about how they will train through these games now, which basically means that they're going to go up to this next game coming up on Saturday. They're going to do their basic Uh, normal training schedule, which means that they are going to you know, look at that game as something they're going to train to, and then they're going to give the guys a little bit of break just before they go into that game. So that Friday practice, which has in the past, in these last couple of weeks, been still a strenuous practice, uh, something they push really hard whenever they go in against Vancouver on Saturday. That Friday practice should be a light day. Give the guys a chance to get ready for the game because they're really trying to get these guys game ready. So getting into that schedule of training all the way up to it. Now, that didn't happen in this game. In this game, they were not breaking and having easy practices on Friday for a Saturday game. Um, and so you saw the heavy legs out there. And one of the guys with the heaviest legs seemed to be Roel Felcher, who, uh, who who did not have a good game at all.
2: In fact, his name wasn't even spelled right on his jersey, which yeah. was a little strange.
1: Yeah, I was gonna so the, say we we got an email from a uh, from a listener about that, uh from Kerry, Kerry Hall, and he was saying, Hey, did you notice that uh, Felcher's last name I think was spelled Fletcher in in, in this particular well, one? The
2: the uh, he spells it uh F-L F-E-L-T, and they spelled it F-L-E-T. They just transposed the L and the E. Yeah, but it was it was spelled incorrectly. Um it's Felcher, not Fletcher. Um you know, Ziggy did talk a little bit about conditioning, and that's something that he's emphasized all winter. They were doing two-a-days when they were in Tucson. A lot of players talked about heavy legs. They just had uh, come off a really tough week of of, uh, of play, which included a game in Santa Barbara, then getting up the next morning, driving back to Step up Center, and working out for an hour. Uh, on, that was on Friday. So, you know, guys were tired. But Ziggy afterwards said, he, he said, it's preseason. I really don't give a crap what the score was. Uh, he he said we need to learn from this game and we need to improve on situations that weren't as good as we needed it to be. And one of the things that he was really upset about were the two goals that were scored within a minute of one another. That happened a lot last year. And Ziggy was sort of beside himself. uh, You know, didn't we learn from this last year? We can't, there seems to be after after they give up a goal, guys kind of get down. They start looking at their feet. They get back on their heels, and all of a sudden, uh, another goal scored. Yeah, so it, that's something that they need to work on.
1: Yeah, it is. It, I think I wrote in my in my recap. You know, it's ghosts of 2017. They still haven't sort of given up that ghost yet of of that 2017 se- season. And it was, I don't know, it was reminiscent of, of last year. Just the collapses on defense. Uh, Felcher for getting forward, not being able to work his way back. I'm going to pick on on Rolf here. This is a guy we didn't know a ton about. Um, I had heard from some people who uh, who pay attention to the league to be careful about him and his speed. Uh, that's what they said. They said he's not the fastest guy in the world, but he's he's a pretty smart defender. Um, but you just wonder why he hasn't been able to stick with a bunch of teams whenever you look at how, how often he's changed teams. Again, you got to question it a little bit. You looked at his play on Saturday, and it was not good enough. Uh, you had Roman Alessandrini getting very, very upset at Rolf Felcher. Um, throughout this game for bad passes, for not being in the right positions. And this is a guy who's going to have to work with Alessandrini on a, uh, you know, on a regular basis in these overlaps. So early in the game, Felcher looked okay getting forward, making crosses, doing the dangerous things. And the Galaxy dominated possession in that first half. Granted, San Jose I think had the better of the chances in the first half, but the Galaxy were in more control of that. Uh, Ola Kimura scored the first goal, that was good. They'd given up a goal, that wasn't good. But for the most part, the Galaxy looked okay, but I didn't not like the tracking back. You're going to have on this team, Kevin, you're going to have Rolf Felcher pushing up on the right-hand side. You're going to have Ashley Cole pushing up on the left-hand side. When there are bad passes, when there are things that don't go the way that you want, there's going to be a transition and how quickly this, these guys get back on transition is important. Perry Kitchen is important to that. Jonathan Dos Santos is important to that. Important to that. Any of the midfielders who have allowed a defender to, to skip over them, Ron Alessandrini and Emmanuel Boateng right now, are important to that recovery and you didn't see it and and it was I think it was was it the first goal I think it was the first goal that was created by a bad pass by Giovanni dos Santos in the in the defensive third basically he tried to play a pass across the center and it was intercepted by San Jose and quickly scored that is unacceptable behavior that you can't have whenever you have guys who, when you're in position, are going to press forward. So when you're in possession of the ball, those outside backs, Ashley Cole and Rolf Felcher, are going to get forward. If you give the ball up when you're not supposed to, whenever, you, whenever you're in a bad position, Kevin, uh, you're going to force those guys to try to work back, and neither of them are Speedy Gonzalez back there. All right, so they're gonna have that. That's gonna be a transition issue, and you saw that over and over again, and especially as the game wore on with Rolf Felcher, his heavy legs not being able to go a full 90 minutes, which Siggy Schmidt said he had planned on on Ralf Felcher going the full 90, and instead he ended up pulling Felcher and left Ashley Cole out there for 90 minutes. So you can see sort of the game plan that they had and how it didn't go according to plan, and how Rolf Felcher was a, a re, had a real negative impact on this game, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, and I think he's in the doghouse, and, and hopefully he'll learn from this. I mean, I think it was pretty obvious the coach was unhappy. He couldn't go 90 minutes. That was the plan. The guy was not in shape. He's not fit. He didn't show up fit. If he can't go 90 minutes after a month of, of camp, he's not fit. I think Ziggy's going to let him know that that's not acceptable. Um, Ashley Cole, who had to go the extra time at 37 years old, is probably going to say something as the captain. Um, there's a good and bad in this. There's, there's, there's good in that hopefully – Ralph will learn from this and and will make the necessary changes. But the other thing is, you know, um, Ashley talked afterwards about how they're disappointed in losing. But when we asked him what was the problem, he said it was a whole team defending. He said we have to do better as a unit. We have to get more come together and more compact. Uh, he said they got stretched a little bit. And he said we know what we have to do. What I liked about that is he didn't point the finger at anybody. Not 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 that you necessarily would. Certainly not as a captain, but. He was saying this is a team problem. We're going to solve it as a team. He, Ziggy did talk about too. You talked about giving up the ball. Ziggy talked about how the team did was not very aggressive on fifty-fifty balls. They didn't fight for for loose balls uh, that were contested, um, and that's something that I'm sure he's going to emphasize as well. The last thing is when you talk about Rolf, if he's the weak link, a couple things. Perry Kitchen, as you as you mentioned, is probably the MVP of the winter so far of training camp. He's the holding uh, midfielder, and I, and I think. Ziggy likes those wingers, Ashley and Felcher, going down the, the sides. So the holding midfielder is going to become very important because when those guys get stretched and when they're out of position, he's the guy that's got to come over and fill in. And again, these are all new players. So it's going to take a while for them to figure that out. But I think that's a, a probably a pretty good strategy. Let the wingers go down the, down the sides. The Perry Kitchen will stay there and clean up whatever he needs to clean up. They're still trying to get on the same page. The last thing is if there is a position – uh, unlike last year when there was nobody, if there is a position where there is depth, I think it's probably outside back. Uh, well, our center back, anyone on the on the back line, actually, there's a lot of depth there. So if Felter can't do it, if he can't step up, you got Dave Romney, you can move guys around and bring Siani into the starting lineup and move uh, Shelvick maybe to an outside back. There's a lot of Options there, which th- there weren't last year. So if Felcher doesn't work out, it's his job to lose. If he loses it, I think the Galaxy will be just fine because there's a lot of guys on the bench that can come in and play a position. Cato can come in and play that position now.
1: Yeah, the, you're talking about Cordell Cato, who again we uh, we announced on Thursday was a trialist with the LA Galaxy. Uh, I saw him come in and play in place of Felcher. Uh, you and I both did, Kevin. I was very impressed and I thought he added some real quality to the Galaxy whenever he came on. Uh, if this is a guy who Siggy thinks can, he can land and keep in the under the salary cap and all those things, uh, Cordell Cato very well may make this team because I'll tell you right now, they don't, Kevin, at least on the on the face of things, seem to be 100% that Emre Clementa is going to be the automatic backup there at right back, although I think he is in line on that depth chart, and I'm really actually pretty high on uh, Clementa right now. I'd like to see more, more play from him. Um, but if you're going to bring in somebody like Cordell Cato, Uh, that's not a horrible thing. The Galaxy had no right-backs last year. If you're going to tell me there's three or four guys who can play that position now and Cato can fit in under the salary cap, that would be great. He has a history with both coaches as well. I think he played under Schmidt and he played under Kinnear at some time. Uh, So you look at at Cordell Cato coming in as a right-back in that position, I thought he played well People are sort of asking, you know, what are the chances he could make this team right now? I would say that it's, it, it might be a lot higher, especially if Felcher continues to struggle uh, with that position. But I'll also say this, that we've talked a lot about the offense and the importance of working Ola Kamara into that offense because it was mostly guys who were returning, Kevin. Um, with the defense, that's not the case where there are new faces, new players, new names in there. Um, and so that's still a work in progress as far as I'm concerned. So all of these issues could be for naught, but it certainly did bring up, and, and at least it was a little bit reminiscent of 2017, which I, if you're a Galaxy fan, I know probably sends a little shivers down your spine uh, to make that comparison, but that's what it looked like. It looked like an incoherent defense, and the Galaxy gave up 67 goals last season. Uh, a lot of games like 4-2 to two, uh, like they did against uh, San Jose over the weekend.
2: Well, you know, a couple. Of, you know, Cato, besides playing for Ziggy Schmidt and, and Dominic Kinnear, is also the sidekick for the Green Hornet.
1: Google it. Nobody. Um, I was going to say crickets. Yeah, go, on Google that. it. Yeah,
2: you know, a couple of things. This deep into training camp, I don't think the defensive the back line should have looked that bad. I think they should have been a little more organized, and they haven't looked that bad up until now. So. You know, maybe it was the tired legs or 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 the sunshine or whatever. I don't know. But they shouldn't have looked that bad. it was it was a poor performance and they they need to do better. The other thing that that struck me, at least in this game, is I'm not I'm not sure that David Bingham is the guy. I mean, he's a very good goalie, and you look at his record, his resume, is very good. But I'm not sure he's one of those goalies that, uh, you know, is going to win a lot of one-on-one battles. It, it, you know, I was told a, a couple of years ago that when you look at a goalkeeper, you want a guy to make all the saves he's supposed to make and then make maybe one or two per game he's not supposed to make. And that's what you're looking for. I I think David Bingham is really good at making the saves you're supposed to make. I'm wondering how good he's going to be on making the saves you're not supposed to make. He seems, at least right now, like a guy who needs a lot of defensive help in front of him. Uh, And we'll see whether Ziggy Schmidt has to change his strategy because of that. Certainly, Dominic Kinnear knows David Bingham very well. He had his best season as a pro with Dominic Kinnear as his coach. And uh, so, if there's a you know, and the and the goalkeeper coach the Galaxy has now is a guy that did really well with Blake uh, at Philadelphia. So, they have the brain power there to fix all this. They have the understanding to fix all this. But it may just be maybe a little bit of a change of strategy and give Bingham some more numbers in front of him to help him uh, have a little more confidence.
1: I was going to say, you know, if he makes just the saves he's supposed to make uh, the Galaxy, I think Galaxy fans will be happy because uh, there were some of those guys who, who didn't do that last year. Um, so it's an improvement. You know, there's lots of people who are saying the Galaxy haven't had a good goalkeeper since Jaime Pinedo played. And-, and while I think Jaime Pinedo was a great player, and he was a guy, Kevin who would make the saves that you didn't expect him to make on an occasion and it was pretty solid you still have to put into to question how that whole thing ended and with him asking for more money and just just the craziness of that I don't think you want Jaime Pinedo back although um, I certainly think that with Bruce gone and with everybody gone that there could have been an opening possibly for him to come back uh, that didn't seem to be in the cards now you, you have David Bingham I'll, I'll be honest though with you Kevin you know, we talked about a couple shows ago about the most important player for the LA Galaxy um, and being Ola Kamara, probably because of the drop off of who is second in in line with that and how that works. Um, and then you go to David Bingham, who I think is my number two most important player because you look at Brian Silvestri again, and there is a real dip between the starter and the backup. And where as we really only have, if you look at the entire LA Galaxy. Um, you know, starting lineup right now. There's probably only one position where there's an actual battle going on between Siani, um, and uh, and Stares, and Steris back again in the starting lineup. We'll see if Siggy was just rotating those guys with the starting lineup, and see whether Stares starts on on Wednesday or whether Siani starts on Wednesday, and whoever starts on Wednesday in that closed door is probably. Uh, not going to start on Saturday. So, you know, however that ends up, but that right back position now um, is a place where you could also see a little bit of competition, especially if the Galaxy decide to put Cato on the uh, official roster. Um, so I, I think that's that's interesting that you see right back, and but there's no, that you know, going back to Bingham, there's no competition at that spot right now, Kevin. That is David Bingham's spot. There is nobody else who will take that spot. Brian Silvestri is not going to, like, rise up and suddenly be better than David Bingham. That's not happening, at least right now. Um, So you need to be happy with David Bingham where he's at and confident that he is your number one goalkeeper because he is clearly the number one goalkeeper right now.
2: Yeah. And again, maybe it's a change in strategy. Maybe you need to to drop these wingers back and and give him numbers in front. And, you know, a, a goalkeeper, just like a goalie in hockey and a pitcher in baseball, you know, a lot of it is mental. Uh, if you feel like you're making all the saves uh, that, that could possibly be made, all of a sudden your confidence soars and, and you start to get a little bit more aggressive and you get better. If a couple of, you know, again, three of those shots bounced off people and into the goal, um, made, it, made the game look perhaps a little bit worse on the score sheet than perhaps it was for David Bingham. And, and you know, that hurts his confidence, you know, exactly the opposite of what we were just talking about. So if he can get a couple of games together, doesn't even have to be a clean sheet, a couple of good games, low-scoring games, I, I think his confidence will pick up, and then maybe you can think about changing the strategy a little bit. He certainly has a good support group around him, but you're right. It's it's pretty much it's his game, it's his position to lose. Although, again, you know, Silvestre. We've seen it before at the Galaxy, you know, with Donovan Ricketts, he gets hurt and all of a sudden, um, uh, you know, at one point, Josh Saunders stepped up and took the team to an MLS Cup. And then uh, Jaime Pinedo was brought in. Uh, Brian Rose stepped up and had a great season. Uh, it's not unheard of for uh, a goalie that you're not counting upon to, to step up and all of a sudden, you know, save your season. Uh uh, we saw, you know, Dan Kennedy got hurt, and then Roe, as we said, came in and had a great season. So it's possible, but I think I think you're right. Bingham is the guy they're counting on, and they need to make sure that his confidence is is where it needs to be heading into the season. And it'd be interesting to see how Ziggy does play. That you talk about, there's two games left. Um, is there one of those games where, uh, you know, he has a chance to build that confidence in another game where he sits and uh, how does Ziggy play that?
1: Yeah, it's uh, all interesting. All wrapping up, of course, towards the uh, the beginning of the 2018 season, which is again, just 13 days away as we record on February 19th. All right, let's do a little update here on injuries. And Kevin, you had the, uh, the big injury update on, I think on Friday, Friday afternoon, whenever you confirmed. And it was something certainly that we had speculated about on the podcast here and actually something that we had learned a a little while ago uh, about Bradford Jameson's injury and the concussion. Um, So what did you learn from Mr. Siggy Schmidt and Chris Klein and, uh, and where does this all uh, land right now with uh, Bradford Jameson?
2: Well, there's a couple ways to look at this. You can look at the simple, the words on the page, what they said. And when I transcribed the tape, you know, the words that they said, uh, or then you can look at sort of the meaning around the words, which I found a lot more interesting kind of reading between the lines. When I asked Ziggy about uh, Bradford Jameson and whether he would be back, he said, at this stage, we really can't say what the future holds for him. He said, "Uh, it's too early to make that statement. Um, And, you know, Chris Klein kind of said the same thing. He talked about um, the long-term health of the player um, and uh, being concerned about – Bradford Jamison the person and not Bradford Jamison the player. Taylor Twellman was the guy that really struck me, though, because he kept talking about, um, he said, my heart goes out to Bradford because at 21 it just seems unfair. What's unfair? The fact that he's injured or the fact that his career may be over? Um, he talked about, he said, uh, he said, if he had a chance to advise him, he said Bradford has to know in his heart that he's making a decision for the rest of his life and not for the moment. He needs to realize that if there is an issue, he's got way more to offer in the next 50 years of life as opposed to the next five. He said you only get one brain, uh, you know, and you have to take care of it. The funny thing about calling Taylor is when I reached out to Taylor Twelman, I said, I want to talk to you uh, about concussions. And his response was, you mean the Galaxy guy? Uh, and this was something that you and I were just finding out about. Taylor already knew about it, and apparently had been talking to the Galaxy and to Bradford. So I think this is a little more serious than they're letting on. I mean, I hope not. I'd love to nothing more than to see Bradford Jamison, uh, you know, in uniform and playing. He's certainly not going to play in the opener. He hasn't done anything since January 28th. He hasn't even been able to get on a treadmill. He's totally banned from any physical activity as he goes through the, uh, the post concussion protocol so this is a serious thing he had three concussions one super serious one before he was even 19 and now another one and each time you get a concussion by the way it, it the subsequent uh, concussions come easier and easier. You don't need the the hard blow to the head anymore to get a concussion um, because you already have you're symptomatic. I suppose would be the way to the clinical way to say it. Um, this seems a lot more serious than the team is letting on, yeah. um, and I do think there is a fear that perhaps Bradford career may be in jeopardy or at least he needs to think about that because this this is just becoming too commonplace for him
1: yeah it is and and we've talked about bradford jameson's uh, concussions in the past and and you know sort of how that's a worry um you know, it, it just seems like, and Siggy said this to you. I think I read it in your article, which was, you know, he's disappointed because he really thought that Bradford Jamison was going to have, you know, this big b- sort of breakout year, Kevin. And and this, he was really good last year, and he he thought that this would just be a building year for him. I mean, right now, I would see, at least in my mind, I'm not going to say, you know, this is not a, a a day's thing, as far as I'm concerned. You know, this isn't about you know, trying to, um, you know, see, oh, is Bradford James going to be back next week? It, it seems like it's, it, at least in my mind, and this is speculation, it seems like more of a month's thing. And so, you know, you just hope that he is okay and okay for the long term. And whether or not soccer is in his future, really that long-term thing is, is the more important thing. But, you know, it's a blow to the galaxy just in terms of a, of a playing style too, Kevin, because when you look at what, you know, he meant to this team. He was some of that striker depth that we've talked about. Chris Pontius up there, Bradford Jameson, Ari Lasseter, who just returned to injury and has been played, I, I think twice in the last two games. So he's back uh, and looking good, but for Bradford Jameson, he was considered maybe one of the first guys who's going to come off the bench for this LA galaxy team in 2018. And if you don't have him, his, his exclusion from this club makes the LA galaxy a weaker team.
2: Yeah. I think he had 24 games last year. It was a career high. You know, and he was the backup striker. He was the first guy off the bench. I think. I think even ahead of Pontius, uh, his skill set was such that he, it, you know, is dangerous to speed. I think Lasseter now will will be in there. But yeah, it does. It, you know, for the team, and it's hard to even talk about the team when you're thinking about a serious health issue. But from the team perspective, this is a blow, and it was something that the Galaxy were definitely counting on when they let Jack McBean and some other players go. Um, but then when you think about Bradford too, I mean, I think this is a cautionary tale for a lot of kids as they're trying to make a decision what to do with their careers. He gave up a chance to go to Cal. My my understanding was he had a full ride to Cal Berkeley, Mm uh, and gave that up at a very young age to go pro. And, you know, now he is looking at the possibility of not being able to play soccer and not having a college education to fall back on. And that's not really a good position to be
1: in. All right, Kevin, I trust you uh, You took care. You handled all the barking over there? Or are, you, are you attempt? your little guard dog is is acting up again? Very little guard dog,
2: 13-pound guard dog. I don't know who's trying to break in. Maybe they're, they think the silver, the wooden spoon is here, and they're trying to
1: come in and take it. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. All right, let's move on. Uh, hopefully, you know, actually, you know what? I enjoy the barking. Uh, it reminds me of whenever I interviewed Bruce Arena, and his dog barked the entire time through our entire interview. It was great. It was one of my favorite By the way, how,
2: how is Piper, speaking of pets?
1: She's absolutely, uh, as I think I've told you, and I may have even said it on the podcast, uh, she's perfectly unaffected by the $4,000 operation she had to remove chicken bones from her, which I guess is a good thing, but I would like if, like, maybe she just limped for, like, a month a little bit, so she could, I could be like, yeah, remember whenever you just cost me all that money because you ate all the chicken bones? So she's perfectly fine, uh, perfectly happy, back to her old self, feels great, runs around, jumps, plays, everything else. So, yeah, really, that- really annoying.
2: Corner of the Galaxy co mascot.
1: That's right. That's right. That's right. So they're they're all doing good. All right. Let's get to uh, season tickets now. Uh, talked a little bit about on Thursday. I have my report out that went out on Thursday. Uh, the LA Galaxy looks like they're reporting seventy five hundred season ticket holders for this year. Whether or not that changes or not, who knows? Because quite honestly, Kevin, there's no like there's no mandate one that they even produce or record or you know put out these numbers whatsoever. Um, and there's also no, nobody here who's also checking the numbers uh, whenever they do it. But uh, basically, we put out the 7,500 number. We put out the 11,000 number, 11,000 plus number that Sports Illustrated had uh, for last year. And if you believe those numbers, then there's about a 3,900 uh, season ticket member difference in there. I don't know what any of this means, to be honest with you, because, uh, again, there's no real way to verify or check any of these. You would expect that the Galaxy were down. Um, After last season, they had a horrible season Um, and that would only make sense that they would be down. Uh, I I think that number is the 11,000 number from 2017 is ridiculously high. I said that on a Thursday podcast. In my mind, the Galaxy have always hovered right around 8,000 to 8,500 season ticket holders, maybe 9,000, maybe 9,500. But if you look at the attendance and and how it usually goes, Kevin, I would put the, if I was going to guesstimate it, I would put their actual season ticket holders somewhere in the. 8,000 to 9,500 range. I mean, that's what it feels to me. I think the 11,000 numbers just out in right field, quite honestly.
2: Well, here's the thing. The numbers the, they're, the numbers do not have to be made public by anybody at any time. So it's their galaxy, galaxy numbers. The Galaxy can say whatever they want. They could say they have 28,000 season ticket holders and that doesn't pass the eyeball test, but that could be their official figure. So here's what we do know. We know that a Galaxy person, a Galaxy official told you that the season tickets for this year were going to be around 7500 yep we also know that a galaxy person an official told me uh, in in an email last winter uh, you know the end of last season that their season tickets for 2017 he said were 9600 okay so so there we go, 9600 to seven they're still down 2000 they're still down quite a bit We know that Sports Illustrated printed a number of 11,400 for 2017, which, again, is almost 2,000 more than the Galaxy told me. Grant Wall from Sports Illustrated told me that he got that number from the Galaxy, and I'm presuming from the same official. So now we have the same official that, in the span of a couple of months, has put season ticket sales at 7,500, 9,600, and 11,400. Any of those numbers could be right. They could all be wrong. I was told by somebody, uh, an MLS official, not affiliated with the Galaxy, that he has actually heard that the season ticket uh, sales are more around 6,000. Right. And he said that he that since last season, because of the poor season and because of the uh, uh, LAFC beginning play, he has been told that Galaxy season tickets were off by about a third. Um, again – There's no way to prove any of that. It's just, you know, they can give us any numbers they want. One thing that LAFC is saying, since we brought them up, is that they receive, when they put out a a call for season ticket licenses where you put down a small deposit and then you have a chance to buy season tickets, that they got over 20,000 responses, people that actually paid the deposit. They're going to cap season ticket sales at about 17,000. So if that information is accurate and again lafc in the same boat as the galaxy don't have to divulge any numbers tell us what they want there's no way to confirm it can't get a freedom of information act to confirm it if that number is right then uh best case scenario lafc has twice as many season ticket holders for their first season as the galaxy which is to be expected brand new stadium brand new team and For them, the test will come next year to see how many people stay with them.
1: Yeah, next year and the year after that. I mean, there's even going to be a two or three. It, listen, this, this really comes into the fact that we don't know. We don't know what the answer is. And it could be, like you said, Kevin, it could be any of them. It could be none of them. Um, and and for the Galaxy's point of view they don't have to release those to us so a lot of this can be anecdotal um, but certainly we've been given a bunch of different numbers. Uh, to me it doesn't really matter all that much. What you want to see is yes season ticket holder numbers are important. They're important for teams like Portland and they're important for teams like Toronto but even whenever David Beckham was, it was with the LA Galaxy Kevin, uh, from my understanding the season ticket holder number wasn't like it was 20,000 it wasn't. I'll tell you that right now. In fact uh, there was rumors at least that one time, the one of the LA Galaxy presidents was let go and fired because the season ticket number holder was so low, even through the Beckham years, that it was uh, considered, uh, you know, sort of a, a, a bad job in terms of marketing and, and converting. But if you look at those David Beckham years as well, Kevin, and even into you know Landon years and, and Robbie Keane years, and you look at all those things. There were a lot of sellouts at, at StubHub Center, so uh, the LA Galaxy do a great job in terms of you know getting people into the seats most of the time, especially whenever there's a large star outside of those season ticket holder numbers. So for me the metric and the attendance has never been about season tickets. It's been about overall attendance uh, and what they've been doing. And, and, but but yeah. see,
2: even, even that's a problem. I did a story a couple of years ago that looked at attendance because, uh, you know, MLS kept saying attendance is growing year year after year, and they gave all these numbers. Now, Galaxy attendance, by the way, was released at 22,246 uh, last year. Now, again, no way to confirm that. It turns out that there is uh, a way to confirm some teams. Orlando City, until they open their new stadium, Played in a in a uh, public facility in Orlando, um, and because of the Sunshine Law in Florida, which is a great law, they had to give out figures about that. And so we got an actual turnstile count uh, from the city of Orlando, right. and compared it to what MLS was claiming. It was off by a third. Yep. In other words, the team claimed that there were a third more people at at games than the turnstile count. And now, how can they do that? Well, they can do that because they can release whatever number they want. A. B. They, they claim to count MLS, all teams claim to count tickets distributed. That's different from tickets sold. And it's different in two ways. One is a ticket that's distributed doesn't necessarily need to be paid for. You can give it to a radio station as a gift. You can give it to a sponsor. Uh, and sponsors do get a lot of tickets, but then they buy sponsorships. So that's not quite uh, apples to apples, but you can give tickets away right. t- any way you want. So it's tickets distributed. Now, those people do not have to show up. And that's why Orlando City can say they gave away X number of tickets. They distributed tickets. Those bodies never passed through the turnstile. Well, right. the number that goes in the attendance figure is the tickets distributed, not the ones that are there. So um, in this story I did, the, the study that I did, I found out that MLS attendance was off by about a third, league-wide. In other words, if the league says we got 100,000 fans last week, they probably got more around 70,000. Um, the Galaxy were much better. They were much closer because they've cut down on a lot of the comps and the freebies that they give to uh, to staffers and other people. But you got to take all the MLS attendance figures with a grain of salt. What we do know, just the eyeball test, is that the galaxy probably attendance is going to be down, and that's so what's happened. What happens when you win? You know the wooden spoon. You have a, a drop in attendance.
1: I have the reason right here in the studio. There it is. There it is. That, that's the reason. No, it, it is, and you know that's one of the things I get the most crap for is whenever I report the announced attendance from from the galaxy games. People were like, "There are not that many people in the I'm like, yeah, you're, ask, "You're asking me to report something that I I can't." Figure out, they're going to tell me the number, I report the number. That's kind of what it is. Unless I'm there counting every single person, which I don't have time to do, nor do I have the resources to do, nor do I really care all that much. Um, It's just not that important. Whenever you go, but you can certainly tell that sometimes when any team—and this is MLS wide, this isn't just the Galaxy—but when any team announces a number, you look around the stadium, you're like, mm, "Nope, nope, that doesn't that doesn't pass the test for me." Um, and that happens with the Galaxy and everybody else as well. So basically, I think this whole segment talking about season ticket holders and attendance and everything else really shows Kevin that we do not get the accurate numbers. We don't know what the numbers are. Um, we can certainly question and guess and estimate what we think those are. But the fact is that right now with the way that MLS is set up and the way that they're giving out the numbers is we just we really don't have that good of a clue.
2: And, and here's why this is a problem. MLS obviously wants to make the numbers look better. Fine. I get that. I think it's a failed strategy because at some point when MLS – and it's beginning to catch on. I'm not dissing MLS at this point. But my point is when they do have a good story to tell, when they really do draw $6 million paying fans and, and revenues going through the ceiling, what do they do then? Um, they can't tell that story because they've been lying about the statistics all along. And all of a sudden when they have real numbers, um, you, you know, you, it, the story isn't as good as it would have been if you'd just been honest all along. The growth isn't as spectacular or the growth rather is spectacular, but you can't tell it because you've been using false figures all along. I remember the, the boxing promoter, uh, Bob Arum one time talking about one of his fighters and he told this uh, tremendous story. Uh, it was all a lie. And then he came back and told another story right after that. And, he, and, and they said, all the reporters said, well, why should we believe you? And he said, well, this time I'm telling the truth. Well, see, you get in trouble when you lie the first time.
1: That's right. Um, that's uh, so That's it, how it works.
2: MLS is going to have a good story to tell, and it, probably not too far down the road. And it's going to be difficult for them to tell because they've messed up the stats going into that.
1: Well, it'll make, the, it'll make 2018 uh, seat counting a little bit more fun. Uh, I still want to go count all the seats at stuff. Up Center just for my own fun. Um, so I, I think I, I have a partner in that, I think. So uh, that partner will, re- will remain unnamed at this point. But I think I could get out there and count some seats. So we'll see. We'll see well, if we you make know that happen.
2: You know what you should do is compare it with the Chargers because the NFL has a different way of measuring uh, attendance. And I think by if you look at what the NFL claims the attendance is at StubHub and then you look at what the Galaxy claim, I think you'll find the numbers are slightly different. And I think if you look at a Charger crowd – that purports to be 25,000 and a galaxy crowd that purports to be 25,000. My guess is if you looked at photographic evidence of the two of those, you would find a lot more empty seats in the galaxy crowd of 25,000 That's than you a, would
1: for the Chargers. That sounds like a lot of work. You just put me to sleep yeah. just, just even explaining that. So, all right, let's, let's move on. We're, we're, we're clicking along. This is going to be a long podcast anyway. That's fine. Uh, again, we're rejuvenated by the fact that people actually listen to us on occasion and that they came and said nice things about us for the most part. Um, even that lady who lied to you about liking your uh, your jokes. Uh, so the LA Galaxy will host the Vancouver Whitecaps in a closed-door scrimmage on Wednesday. We told you about that already. This is likely the Galaxy's second team against Vancouver's second team. Uh, this is another sort of situation like Santa Barbara was, which is you're going to get the second team out there. You're going to let them run around because they're not going to get the same number of minutes uh, from the beginning of preseason where you know Siggy threw in three 30-minute uh, teams and then two 45-minute teams. Uh, the Galaxy are expected to go as close to 90 minutes and probably be very game-like against Vancouver on Saturday. So that means that the second team, the guys he's still working with, uh, the guys like Sebastian Legette, who uh, you and I had a wonderful sort of, you know, just just casual talk with after the LA Galaxies game at the Great Park. And you want to talk about a guy who's excited, by the way, just to be back and playing. Sebastian Legette lights up whenever he talks about soccer, Kevin. And it was uh, it was sort of fun to talk to him a little bit. At least that was my take from it.
2: Now the Wednesday scrimmage is closed door, correct? No closed fans. door,
1: no fans, no fans.
2: Gal- yeah. Galaxy are going to claim a sellout. Watch. <laughs>
1: Well, let's see. You have zero fans uh, allowed, and you had zero fa- It is a sellout. There is zero it, it available. Is. You have zero seats available. Um, so that is the the Wednesday uh, closed-door scrimmage uh, that will sort of be the second-team stuff. I'm sure we're going to get some information from that, but do not expect full-on coverage. I don't think the Galaxy want to do it. I don't think Siggy wants to do it, but you may get some lineups and sort of understand who was there uh, so that way well, you can understand who's going to start on Saturday, and Saturday is the real focus here, the LA Galaxy hosting the Vancouver Whitecaps, same team, 7 p.m. at Hub Center. This is the final game of the 2018 preseason for the LA Galaxy, at least in terms of full-on games. There's still maybe a, a training, uh, you know, maybe a scrimmage against somebody with second-team guys, and maybe the the week before. But I'm, I'm guessing that's not even going to happen right now. It looks like this will be the final game. So the LA Galaxy versus the Vancouver Whitecaps, 7 p.m. at Hub Center. I will be there, Kevin. Are you going to actually? You're going to show up, right?
2: I I am going to show up. I believe I'm going to show up, but. You know, the thing I want to talk about, We Ziggy said, I don't really give a crap what the score was. He said that at the Great Park. I think next Saturday is very important. And, and it, anyone who's listening to this thing regularly, uh, bless you for doing that, knows that I'm a big proponent of, of sort of the mental side of the game and, and, and things happen away from the field. I think this is a really important game. I saw Vancouver against LAFC uh, um, yesterday, Sunday. Brian, uh, Brian Rowe was in goal and, and had a pretty good game. Vancouver's pretty good, and I think the Galaxy really need to have a good performance. They don't necessarily need to win, although I think that's important. More important in this game than any of the other preseason games, but they need to play well because it's their last um, sort of dress rehearsal before the opener. They need to go in that opener feeling good. They need to have the all the memories of of the eight, eighteen, and eight season out of their mind. They need to be totally focused and totally convinced that this is a new season. And if they have the kind of mistakes they had against San Jose, they're not going to feel good going into that opener. And they're going to be looking over their shoulders a little bit. I think this game with Vancouver is really, really
1: important. I agree with that uh, 100%. So let's uh, let's see how they do on this particular night, and uh, we can keep an eye on them uh, on Saturday. So we hope to see all of you out there on Saturday at 7pm at StubHub Center. Alright, let's get to some listener questions, Kevin, before we uh, get this all out, and I know we're going to get to some of the housekeeping stuff, including uh, maybe some update on some players as well. So let's go first to uh, Sean Montgomery. Sean is a great listener, has been listening for a very long time. I think his his brother listens as well. Um, I think somebody actually bought this particular office. They all work in the same office him and his brother they do some uh some work there and i I think somebody bought them like a portable usb player and so now they can actually play our podcasts in the office while they're while they're working, so we, we we have a prominent role in their everyday workday uh, whenever there's a podcast out, so to all the Montgomerys, hello uh, gentlemen, we, we thank you for listening. Let's go to Sean's first question. Uh, he said, Siggy did a good job in Seattle with getting green cards for foreign players. Ladero isn't counting as an international, and he will be at the World Cup for Uruguay. Uh, he says, A, any chance he gets foreign players a green card here, and B, why do players like Raul Mendiola never get a green card? Kevin, you had a wonderful conversation with the gentleman who who could possibly be looking to get a green card. Who was that player?
2: Yeah, Ola Kamara has been very quiet about that, but he does—he did say that he is trying to get a green card. He did admit that it's a little more difficult, and, and I'm just going, just because it's fun to do it, I'm going to blame the Trump administration for that. I think maybe some of the rules have changed a little bit, and he's finding it a little bit more difficult than he thought to get that green card. He has to get it in the next couple of weeks, though, because the Galaxy right now don't have enough international spots uh, to put all their international players on their opening day roster. Siani uh, is a guy that needs one. Alessandrini, I think Ashley Cole still does. So they're one over the limit unless somebody gets a green card. And it looks like Kamara is, is trying to do that. He sounded somewhat confident, but wasn't sure that it would happen by, by March 4th. Um, uh, and, and the second part of that
1: question was... Yeah, why did players like Raul Mendiola never get uh, a green card?
2: Well, I, I think there's a lot of reasons. I think, you know, in some cases, they may not qualify. I mean, there may be something in their past that, where they don't qualify. Uh, with others, I don't think this, uh, ap, you know, affected Mendiola necessarily. But in a country like Mexico, you might want to play for the national team. Perhaps it's a good idea to kind of sort of keep your options open. I know there are dual nationals that play there. But, th- you know, there could be a number of reasons, family reasons. Uh, there could be some something in your background that prevents that from happening. And uh, again, the, the Byzantine rules of, of the immigration service changing all the time especially now with immigration and 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 uh, uh and all that being such a big topic uh, in in government circles so it's getting more difficult all the time you know guy you, i know robbie Keane. i believe he had a green card he did um and and so it, it seemed to be a little bit easier in the past and and guys like robbie Keane, i mean you know, his idea was it wasn't a any kind of a political statement. I, I don't even think he knew who the president was. His deal was he was here to play soccer and really didn't care. Uh, you know, with others, there could be other things that read into it.
1: Yeah, it very well could. Again, I think at one point, you know, some of these visas are, are they fall under a category of specialized skills and the way that you're able to sort of advance or, or make these visas happen in a in a quicker fashion is to prove that the person you're bringing in has skills outside of those, uh, you know, readily found in the United States. At least I remember reading this at one time. I swear. I really did at one time like draw like dry, dive deep into like green cards and p1 visas and all these other things that that happen with players and so if I'm wrong and this has changed it could have changed over the last couple of years but you know one of the reasons that it's easier to get somebody like Ola Kamara a green card is because technically he has special skills that probably aren't readily available here in the United States and you look at a guy who scored as many goals you could say that he has special skills that aren't readily available there aren't a ton of American players who can score as many goals as he can it's listen it's a nuanced argument it certainly is up for for discussion in in terms of how these things go but that could have been a reason why somebody like Raul Mendiola who doesn't play necessarily at a high level you can't necessarily say that he has those skills outside of you know uh, other players in the United States in order to get the green cards Or, or like Kevin said there could be something in his background that disqualifies him from doing that so you have to look at it Bruce Arena was good at getting guys green cards who he could get green cards uh, I think Siggy Schmidt also realizes that's a real advantage whenever it comes to uh, yeah. these international players.
2: It's actually a fascinating topic, and it changed a lot after 2001. I know in baseball they use H-2B visas, which are visas that entertainers and and, and uh, businessmen use um, when you're coming to work for just a short period of time. Uh, baseball players use that too. And before 9-11, each team got a X number of H-2B visas, and if you called a guy up from the Dominican and he was playing under the visa and he got hurt – Then he vacated that visa. You could bring another player in. After 9/11, each person had to be attached to one of those visas for security reasons. Uh, Teams got limited. uh, At one point, the government said we're only going to give out. I think it was 50 or 75,000 H-2B visas total for the entire year for every business. So a Silicon Valley company that was trying to bring in some tech wizard from Malaysia was competing with the the Dodgers who were trying to bring in a shortstop from Venezuela, and it got to be. Uh, very unwieldy, but um, you know this is a very complicated issue, and I'm sure ma- uh, Major League Soccer is caught up. In the same sort of uh, um, uh, you know maelstrom that right. other companies are caught in that trying to bring in people from foreign countries.
1: yeah, definitely. all right, Sean and Sean has another question too. He said, did Chris Klein get a five-year contract extension in the offseason? That's a big question mark there Kevin. he has a question mark. so i'll'll we could just say yes, he did. Yes, we, we know he that. did yes, okay. Did so that. next uh, he says if we had promotion and relegation, would he have gotten an extension?. <sighs> This is We're getting into pro pro rail talk, and that's always just sort of like, yeah, I don't know, because they didn't have it. It's kind of difficult to say. I would imagine if a team gets relegated, you probably don't re-sign a, a president to do it, but the fact is the Galaxy didn't get relegated, and they actually had a pretty good offseason. Was it a horrible signing at the end of the year? I don't know. I mean, the optics don't look... It's just the optics of it, Kevin, that don't look good in, in terms of how the Galaxy finished last year. Now, that being said, after you see the off season they had... Do you feel better about it? I mean, I, I you, you tend to lean that way, at least a little bit. At least in my mind, I tend to lean that way. So, well, may, is it is it just a condition of the results last year?
2: Well, I, I got to hammer back at this pro rail thing again. Look, everybody, calm down. We are not going to have promotion relegation in the United States for a long time. Right. Why? Because teams are paying over a hundred million dollar expansion fee to get into MLS. Oh. And you know it's very difficult. MLS is the only major league, the top five leagues in, in in U.S. professional sports. MLS is the only league where team expansion teams have finished with a winning record. Forget playoffs. Seattle went to the playoffs first year. Atlanta did. Forget playoffs. Uh, You know, and and wish the Chicago Fire, Bob Bradley won a title in his first year. But the other leagues, it's very tough to be an expansion team and to be successful. So you pay $100 million plus to get in the league and you're relegated your first season. All of a sudden you're playing your games at a high school stadium in Oklahoma and it's not on TV. You know, and you don't get that TV money. The other leagues, Europe, you know, they were set up to do this hundreds of years ago, before everything depended on TV and media revenue and streaming and everything else. The U.S. Major League Soccer is not set up. We're not going to have promotion and relegation for a long time. So deal with it. Now, having said that, I talked to Roman Alessandrini and to his agent who is based in Marseille, France, and they talked about how they actually like MLS not having promotion and relegation. And they said, because the games at the end of the season, even teams that are that are at the bottom of the standings, they play the games to win. Roman Alessandrini talked about how, okay, so what's the worst thing that can happen? You don't make the playoffs. But in September and October, you're still playing to win. He said teams that are uh, you know, looking like they might be relegated, they start to play a very defensive style. And they play not to lose rather than to win because a loss hurts them more than a win helps them. Um, so he talked about how he actually likes it better here, that every game, uh, both teams play to win, where he felt is in, in Europe, and his agents said the same thing. They both feel that in Europe, teams that are at the bottom of the table play not to lose, and they play a very boring defensive style at the end of the season. And when you have two teams that are in uh, in danger of being relegated, it's just a god-awful game. So, um, you know, it, it, you want to look at it that way. Um, it, it's not coming anyways, but that's a, a, maybe a positive spin on it.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, the other problem with that whole thing is that there's no—I mean, even if you look at USL, the second division isn't necessarily— uh, robust enough that you could have teams go up or even teams go down and still be, you know, viable options in either league. One for the team going up or one for the team going down. So, anyway, yeah, listen, there is, pro, pro ProRel is instituted in a lot of leagues around the um, around the globe, absolutely. Mexico is actually thinking of putting it on pause for a little bit. And Mexico is a weird, weird way of doing pro rel as well. And sometimes they buy teams and relocate them just so that way they can avoid promotion and relegation. So, you know, there's lots of places. there still are places that do not have Pro rel as well. Anyway, I don't want to get into it anymore. i'm I'm done that that just opens up a can of worms we don't need to get into. All right, let's continue on. Uh, at this is r o or this is Ro. Uh, they wrote in and said, I know it's preseason, but should we, we be worried by our defense and the holes that are popping up? Uh, I'll give you one answer and I'll let Kevin explain. Uh, yes, you should be worried. Go ahead, Kevin.
2: (laughs) Yes. Yes. You should definitely be worried.
1: Yeah, there you go. See, that's, that's sort of it. Listen, there are still problems. We we talked about it, though, you know, earlier in this podcast, as well as they're still trying to integrate ple- people. You're still trying to figure out things. Uh, Shelvick has been fine for me. I know there's people who are already down on him. There's people who are down on everybody, and that's fine. People are down on Bingham. Bingham's okay for me. I'm not going to panic there as well. Um, you Really, for me, it's Felcher on the outside and Stairs and Siani and what that's going to be. If you're looking at that side and they're both on the same side, Maybe that has something to do with it, with Steris and 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 Felcher or or Ster- or or Siani and Felcher, on that right hand side, not being the best of partners over there. So this all has to develop. It all has to play out. There's going to be an answer here. I think the Galaxy have players in position that can still make impacts on the back line and they're not necessarily starters so we'll see uh, what that means and also uh, Shane writes in at uh, the white man 800 he says what are the chances Thomas Hilliard Arsay ends up as one of our starting center backs by the end of the season I would say it's it's a, it's a real possibility because I think he's been solid uh, I think he has some talent he's obviously scoring goals with his head which is great for a defender but not necessarily great for the galaxy Um you look at all those things, so there, again, there are players who can make it. Uh, we even talked about Cordell Cato earlier in this. They could possibly be a trialist who's added to the roster, who could be a real difference maker on this LA Galaxy team. But the bottom line is that if they're trialing Cordell Cato, the Galaxy, Siggy Schmidt, Kurt Schmidt, um, they also feel like perhaps there could be some issues at right back, and that should be a little you know, red flag, at least a little one.
2: Well, there are problems, but there are solutions. I think there's a lot of depth on that line. And and one of the guys we were bagging on all winter um, was Siani and, and thinking that he was expendable. He came in really fit, you know, and I don't know that he's necessarily going to start, but I'm not nearly as down on him as I was uh, a couple of weeks ago. He looks like he could really be useful. And so, I, yes, there are problems on the on the back line, but I think there are solutions, unlike last year, when you remember we started the season with a, uh, a holy midfielder playing right back for the first couple of games.
1: That's right. Uh, The high desert galaxy fans at HD galaxy fans on Twitter writes in and says uh, also talking about the right back position. Do you think Rolf is going to continue to start or might he lose his starting job to Emra Clementa or another defender? I think we've, uh, we've touched on that as well. All right. Our final question of the night. Thank God, Kevin, our final question of the night. I said, I was excited to do this. And now we've talked for an hour and basically almost an hour and 15 minutes. So, Uh, you know, we're a little too excited today, I think. Uh, But our final one is at uh, Chili31, I believe. AA writes in, and he he says, uh, how about an update on how X galaxy players are performing on their new clubs? Well, you, sir, have actually made us scour of the internet in order to get you at least some of those. So I have some housekeeping issues that we can at least go over, and maybe Kevin has some stuff to throw in here Yeah, yeah Landon
2: well. Donovan's playing at Leon. That's what I well. heard.
1: That's what I heard. Uh, let's see. Let's... Robbie Keane's in India. In India, yes. Always, always interesting, the Indian Premier League. Uh, let's go with somebody maybe a little closer at home. First, with Alan Gordon, who is now an official trialist with the Chicago Fire. If you wanted to know about Alan Gordon at all. Uh, Jack McInerney uh, didn't play that much with the LA Galaxy last year. It looks like his MLS contract has run out because he has signed with Indy Eleven at the USL level uh, to be a player for them. He needs the minutes, uh, but it's interesting to see how how his career has sort of uh, hit a high point and then and, and then gone down a steady escalation <laughs> all the way down yep. to the bottom floor.
2: There's a guy that's been relegated.
1: That, basically, that that has absolutely happened. So Jack McInerney signs with USL's Indy 11. Uh, Jack McBean, former LA Galaxy uh, forward, will be playing with the Colorado Rapids as they host Toronto FC in one of the first uh, Scotiabank CONCACAF Champions League games coming up this week. As as we're talking right now, this week, Jack McBean, uh could possibly even be a starter. I know that they've been rotating a lot of guys. There's a there's a a, a different sort of thing and, and vibe going on with Colorado. New coach, new players, all that fun stuff. Uh, anybody else, Kevin, that we have updates on?
2: Well, um, Jesse's artist, everybody knows this already, scored two goals in his first game with Columbus and has had a good preseason. And it looks like he is going to be the target striker. It looks like uh, Greg Verhalter there is going to go with a 4-2-3-1 and uh, Jossie is the target striker. And it would be interesting to see how that works. I didn't think he was – I don't think he has the tools to do that. I mean I think you need a lot of creativity as a target striker and I'm not just sure that um, Jesse has that uh, to play up top alone he started off okay maybe again it's that it's that thing again where um uh you know just the change of scenery is going to make a big difference um I, I also believe that Oscar Sordo now is re-signed with Orange County SC so um yes, he's correct. around as well there's a guy we haven't heard from oh and Brian Rowe I saw him yesterday playing with Vancouver um he looked pretty good he made some really good saves um he got beat by an own goal uh, that tied the game up um, but not a horrible performance. Um, certainly a little bit better than he probably was in a few games last year. And we'll get a chance to see him on Saturday night at the Sub-Up Center. Yeah. His return is actually Wednesday in front of the full house, the capacity crowd with uh,
1: <laughs> with zero, doors. With zero and zero? With yes. It, zero.
2: Uh, but then uh, the fans will get to see him again on uh, on Saturday. I think he deserves a warm welcome back.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Uh, GLC's artist, I believe, has three goals through all of his games so far. I don't know if he scored anymore. I know you had him two goals in that first game I know yeah, for sure he scored in the first game yeah yeah so and then he and I know for sure he scored another one so he had three goals there um so I don't know if he scored any more since they're Columbus and Vancouver both training in Hawaii preseason training in Hawaii um which hey that's not bad you can't complain about that so uh that was interesting to see as well all right anything else Kevin are
2: we no. are we good I believe it. Well, I don't know if we're good. I mean, I think we're done. I don't know if we're good. That'll be up for oh, listeners. Oh, to I do have say. one
1: more thing. One more thing, because I do have an update. I wanted to give you an official update. This is official, and I said it on Twitter uh, before the LA Galaxy took on the San Jose Earthquakes. I have officially, this is is a big deal, I have officially added Tomas Hilliard Arce to the LA Galaxy roster. My LA Galaxy roster that I'm holding, which means that you should also add him to your LA Galaxy roster, which means that Siggy Schmidt has added him to his LA Galaxy roster. So Tomas Hilliard Arce is technically officially an LA Galaxy roster. Well, that's one of the
2: things we talked about last week before I went to talk to Ziggy and I flat out asked him, look, he's a Generation Adidas guy. He's already signed with the league. He's not on your roster. What's the deal there? And Ziggy tried to go through the permutations of how the signings work and everything, and it was clear that he was a little befuddled by the rules. Right. And funny, he just stopped and said, "He's on my roster. He's on my team." There I don't go. know how he's going to get there, but he's on the team. There
1: so. you go. He's there. I know we we talked with some of the uh, LA Galaxy front office guys before when we were like, "How many is he on the team?" They're like, "Yeah, just just put him on." There. We're like, "Okay." So he's officially there. Uh, the guys that you don't have on there still, uh, Drew Scundridge and and Nate Schultz, uh, the two draft picks, have not officially been added. To the first team roster, nor do they have to be added to the first team roster. Those guys could actually end up being to going down to LA Galaxy 2 uh, and signing there if the LA Galaxy so choose. So those are always possibilities as well. But I will tell you right now, the LA Galaxy sit with 24 players on the roster right now out of a maximum of 30 players. So. That's where everything sits. That's where we're at. Uh, you know, a little bit before, I think there's a roster compliance date that comes up early in March. March first, March second, March third, something like that. It might be the uh, the Friday, so it might be the the March second date that comes. It was March first last year, um, so it's it's early in March where they they're, they're going to sort of start to w- uh, watch, get these right.
2: Watch the foreign players because I think that's where the interest is going to be. I mean, that last spot on the roster generally isn't a guy. Uh, who is going to play a lot of minutes? But the Galaxy won over on the foreign allotment, and if Ola doesn't get his green card, there's going to be something something that's going to happen there, and I think that's where you need to watch.
1: I have I have an easy solution to that. I this is what's going to happen right now. Before when we said they were going to get rid of Siani, I think they're keeping Siani right now. I don't think he's going anywhere. I think Joel Pedro will get loaned down to LA Galaxy too, um, and if that happens, then that would open up an international slot. So. Um, that's my that's my prediction as of right now. All right, are we good? We're done. That's it. No more. I'm calling it. So you don't we're have done. anything more. We're uh, done. All right, perfect. Uh, all right, if you're looking Stop for Mr. this time is over. Yeah, we're done. That's it. No more. I'm muting Kevin. It's over. We're we're quiet from him. All right, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter at kbaxter 11 of course, uh, and then head over to latimes.com for all of Kevin's wonderful articles covering soccer and all the other sports they uh, absolutely force him to do because he loves soccer so much. Uh, So please head on over there and check that out. If you're looking for me on Twitter, at Jay Guessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Corner of the Galaxy, where you can find all of your LA Galaxy information, game recaps, podcasts, videos, anything else that we have thrown up there, and a great recap with pictures of our Corner of the Galaxy open house, which all of you were instrumental in making a very successful event. Alright, for Mr. Kevin Baxter, I'm Josh Gesman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. We will see you out there on Saturday, live show on Thursday. Everyone, have a very, very
0: great one. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy From the Box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye everybody.